next on the OHIO podcast. We play worth it, not worth it with the salaries of our assistant coaches. We introduce you to the top recruits of the 2024 class, and Eric interviews Chris on podcasting and Ohio State memorabilia. And that all starts right now. It's easy to be average. You know it as well as I know it. It takes a little something to be special, Don. It takes a little something special to be a great player. We don't have enough great players. To hell with that! We don't want to coach average. I don't want to be around you. Why be around average? proud of our young people in the classroom, in the community, and most especially in 310 days in Ann Arbor, Michigan, on the football field. Three things. Number one, the team that hits the hardest and the longest, the team that starts the fastest, and the team is too damn smart to make mistakes. If you take it to them, if you don't make mistakes, and you keep taking it to them, hell, there's no question who wins. It's time for the best Buckeye podcast. By fans, for the fans, where they hate that team up north as much as you do. It's time for the OHIO Podcast. OHIO! Welcome back to the OHIO Podcast, everybody. I'm your host, Buckeye Boggs, recording live from an absolutely beautiful North Central Ohio. Chris, this is three weeks in a row where the weather gods have smiled upon us, my man. And this being Mother's Day 2022, I would wish you a happy Mother's Day, Chris, but uh, we'll just say happy Mother's Day to our wives and to our mothers. How about that? Well, that sounds good, Eric. And I'll tell you, yeah, the weather has been absolutely tremendous here. You know, like you said, the last three weeks. Next weekend, I'm here in like 80s and sunny. Yeah. Might have to break out the golf clubs and just... (laughs) Yeah, get get that suntan lotion ready, my man. <laughs> well, we are back, and if you're not satisfied with pickup games and unranked matches, chances are you're aiming higher than most. <laughs> At Spire, you'll train to be the best. Whether you're drawn to the pool, track, mat, basketball court, or gaming controller, we provide the training you need to achieve your dream. Make our facilities your home and take advantage of free transportation services. Are you ready to unlock your potential? Visit SpireCleveland.com today. A little programming note before we dive into the OHIO podcast uh, regular topics for the day. Uh, Our fourth podcast was launched this past week on Thursday called Buckeye Tobacco, where yours truly ranks and reviews a stogie from my personal humidor collection. And uh, I should say my personal cigar collection in my humidor. And we talk Buckeye football, and uh, this is uh, something that I've been working with along with um, Billy Bob from Billy Bob's Backyard Barbecue, and uh, he invited me to start doing some videos on Thursday. So this is the first time we've done videos of this nature for our YouTube channel, and uh, if you've not listened to that, by all means, check it out. You can do it uh, right here by how you're listening to this podcast. 
Uh, same thing. It should be in your uh, podcast feed or you go to our YouTube <laughs> channel and check that out. So we invite you to do so. Uh, all right, Chris, we're going to play a game. We're going to play worth it or not worth it with the OSU assistant coaches salaries. Um, this is where we can get kind of opinionated, my man. I'd like to see how many of these we agree and disagree on. I'm probably guessing we're going to disagree on a couple at least, but let's start from the top defensive coordinator, Jim Knowles. He made 800,000 last year as the DC at Oklahoma state. He gets quite a significant pay raise to $1.9 million in 2022. He is a, he is contracted through 2025. So a nice little four year contract there for Jim Knowles. And this is a pay increase of $1.1 million from what he was making at Oklahoma State, which is obviously why he decided to come to Ohio State. He's getting paid higher than some Division I football head coaches, believe it or not. Is he worth it or not worth it? I know that's hard to say at this point, but we're only judging him based off of what we saw in the spring and what we're hearing in interviews and behind the scenes. Chris, what do you think? Well, Eric. You know, $1.9 million seems a lot for an assistant, but really, that's only a half million more than what we were paying Kerry Coombs for what I think, you know, Coombs was a, a great recruiter. That being said, I think this half million increase over what we were paying Coombs is going to end up being well worth it. Yeah, we've seen a lot of players, definitely defensive players in that transfer portal, Uh you know, but we have seen a much more aggressive approach to defense uh, in what we saw from the spring game. Even though it was a very vanilla version of this defense, I think we saw more aggressiveness. I think we saw more team unity in that defense. And while it's yet to be seen if he's going to be the recruiter Combs was, I don't think that's why he's here. We've got great recruiters on this staff already. And... He is a player's coach, so I think that the recruits are going to come. I mean, just ask Tanner McAllister. He followed him here from Oklahoma State. Right. So I really think that this is going to be money well spent. I think that we'll be lucky if we keep him the four full years. I really hope we do, but I think that 1.9 is going to be well worth it. (laughs) Okay, I'm with you. I say worth it, Um, and here's why. I believe our defense was so broken, Chris, that yeah. this guy, if he if he could get us anywhere close to a top 25 defense in the nation, it's worth it. That's how broken we were. So I'm 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 gonna say let's throw the 1.9 million at him and see what he can do. I mean, I love what I'm hearing so far right now. I I, I think he's great. And I'm not sure that he doesn't stay for a while. The guy's been a head coach already. He's in he's in kind of the twilight of his coaching career here. I think he came to Ohio State with the understanding that I'm coming here to be the head coach of a defense, to win multiple national championships, because I believe in myself that much. And as far as his recruiting is concerned, he's the lead recruiter on Tackett Curtis, that linebacker from Louisiana, yeah. who um, may commit to us here in the month of June. So I, I right now I'm saying he's absolutely worth it. Let's go over to the offensive side and talk about the offensive coordinator and tight ends coach, Kevin Wilson. He made 1.4 million last year in 2021. He's um, 
He is in line to make another $1.4 million this year, and he's contracted through 2024. So uh, three more seasons of Coach Wilson. He was being courted by some MAC schools. Of course, he was the head coach at Indiana in the Big Ten a few years ago before he had the incident with the players that were saying that he was rushing them back to the field in a little bit of a tough love situation there. Kevin Wilson came here under Urban Meyer to kind of recoup his career get back on the straight and narrow, and I think there's a big trust factor between Ryan Day and him with Kevin Wilson being his eyes in the sky in the press box when Ryan Day's calling an offense. Chris, I know you're not as big on Wilson as I am. Is he worth it or not worth it? Okay, Eric, we all know historically I have been a huge critic of Kevin Wilson. But I think I'm going to surprise you a little bit here when I think when I say I think he's worth it. Okay. Uh <clears throat> I've been really impressed uh, from what I've seen with the tight ends this offseason, specifically in the spring game. Of the tight ends, at least in my opinion, along with the linebackers, were our biggest concerns coming in to this season. I believe Wilson has addressed that. Uh, like uh, Knowles made great strides with, I think, the linebackers. I think we're seeing that with Wilson and the tight ends. Additionally, there's really no denying that while I believe the product is, or the offense is a product of Ryan Day, the contributions of Kevin Wilson in managing and developing are key to the success. I really believe that, yeah, this guy is worth it. Uh, he's a decent recruiter to boot. Um, he has a good eye for finding the quote-unquote diamond in the rough. Let's not forget, this is a guy who you know, found Dewan Jones, who wasn't even ranked as a top 1,000 recruit by the 247 Sports uh, Composite originally. Now, this guy is looking at being maybe a you know a second-round pick and possibly even sliding into the first if he has a solid year. So, yeah, I'm going to go with Kevin Wilson. is worth it. You did surprise me a little bit. Uh, at, at that price tag, $1.4 million, the second-highest-paid assistant on the team, obviously Ryan Day trusts this guy immensely. Uh, I don't think anybody can deny that. Um, I like Kevin Wilson a lot. I think he does a phenomenal job with tight ends, especially teaching them how to block. I think he does a great job communicating with Ryan Day during a game when it comes to call pl uh, play calling. And here's a little thing that we haven't talked about that apparently happened last season when Greg Strudrawa went down with the back injury and was unavailable. It was Coach Wilson that was coaching the offensive line and doing double duty. The guy was literally being the OC, the tight ends coach, and the offensive line coach last season. Um, I think you got to give him mad props for that. We didn't increase his salary salary any, but he's obviously somebody who Ryan Day wants to keep on his staff at that 1.4 million mark. So is he worth it to me? I'm going to say yes, but I don't know if he's worth more than 1.4 million, Chris. Uh, that's, a, that's a lot of change right there, man, especially when you start to talk about some of these other coaches we're about to talk about. Yeah, it is. Uh, but you know what? Another thing, Eric, and this may be an, a really unappreciated part of his what he does. As a recruiter, even though he's not necessarily always the primary, he is a great secondary recruiter, especially helping us line the, uh, land those prospects from Indiana. Yeah. We've gotten several good ones, haven't we, lately? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. All right, Larry Johnson. He is the obviously the defensive line guru. 
He is the associate head coach. Gosh, every time I see that, I immediately think of a couple years ago when Ryan Day had COVID, we went into <laughs> East Lansing, and Larry Johnson was the head coach. He has the greatest winning percentage ever in the history of Ohio State. <laughs> right. He's perfect. He's 1-0. Uh, Larry Johnson's making one point. $1.133 million, so a million hundred and thirty-three thousand. Same as he made last year in 2021, was not a pay increase, and he is contracted through the end of 2023. So two more seasons. Larry Johnson is on the contract. My prediction is Chris, he's going to see Jack Sawyer and JT Tumulau through their careers, which will be the end of next season, and then he's going to retire. That's my prediction. Um, I believe he's currently grooming his replacement uh, on this staff somewhere um, that's going to take that uh, defensive uh, line position when he retires. Um, so whoever's connected to his hip recruiting and coaching, be, be on the lookout for that. That might be the next D-line coach at Ohio State. But at $1.1 million, I definitely think Larry Johnson's worth it. How about you? Oh, absolutely. I mean, let me just run some names by you. Joey Bosa, Nick Bosa, Chase Young, Sam Hubbard, Tommy Togiai, you know, Haskell Garrett. I mean, those are just some of the guys that he's put Dave in. Devon Hamilton. Yeah, Devon Hamilton, Taquan Lewis, uh, Jay Sean Cornell, Draymond Jones. I mean, he is a – B.B. Landers. <laughs> How can I mean, we you forget go back when he was at Penn State and, and Courtney oh, yeah. Brown, you know? I mean, he is an amazing, amazing defensive line coach, uh, you know, and he's a great recruiter. I mean, you look at what he's done recruiting, Nick Bosa and, and Jonathan Cooper in 2016, Chase Young and Haskell Garrett in 17, uh, Teron Vista, Tyreek Smith, Tommy Togiai in 18, and that class in 2021 may have been the best ever that he's had with JT Tumulau, uh, Jack Sawyer, Michael Hall, Tyreek Williams. In this class he's got coming in in 2022, uh, Kenyatta Jackson, Amari Abor, Caden uh, Curry, Hero Canoe. I mean, th- this guy is a recruiting and coaching machine. And all he does is send guys to the first, second, third round of the draft every year. Definitely worth it. All right. Let's get into the the love affair. <laughs> That this fan base has with the former Buckeye, he's producing first-round talent at a position that Ohio State traditionally has not done before. Brian Hartline, who is the wide receivers coach and the newly coined passing game coordinator, made six hundred thousand last year. Now making a cool nine hundred and fifty thousand. That's a pay increase of three hundred and fifty thousand. And what I'm about to say might rub people the wrong way. But I personally believe at this moment, Brian Hartline is the most important assistant coach behind Jim Knowles. I agree. And he's definitely worth it, Chris. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I mean, you talked about what he's done just in the time. He he became a full-time member of this staff in, what, 2018? Since that time, the Buckeyes have sent 10 wide receivers to the NFL. Now, not all of them have been drafted. But in 2019, we had Paris Campbell go second round, Terry McLaurin third. Just a few weeks ago, we saw two guys go in the first round, early first round at that. And let's not forget, 
the Buckeyes actually had, and granted he was more of a special teams player, but a wide receiver who was a club player get an invitation to an NFL camp this season. This guy is taking guys and just putting them in the NFL at a ridiculous rate. You got Johnny Dixon out there absolutely blowing up uh, the, uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, that alternative league, you know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, and, and you look at what he's done from a recruiting standpoint. I mean, oh, my goodness. Let's not even talk about all the receivers like Fleming and, and JSN and Guy Scott, uh, Emeka Buka, Marvin Harrison. You know, we've already got Caleb Burton, Caleb Brown, Kojo, uh, you know, Keon Graves, um, Bryson Rogers coming in in 2023. But he's been a secondary recruiter for at least two, if not potentially three, of of the non-wide receiver key players in C.J. Stroud, Kyle McCord, and J.T. Tumulau. I mean, come on. This guy's recruiter is money. I agree with you 100%. I think... He has the recruiting. He has that NFL experience. He's got the, the mind for it. I really believe this guy's obviously a future offensive coordinator and possibly a future head coach. Definitely worth it. Oh, yeah. Uh, you brought up the head coach topic. Oh, boy. Um, if he is, it's going to be at Ohio State. I just don't see him leaving for any place I else. agree with you. He's he's here. He's here to stay. Um if someday down the road, and this is a big if, Ryan Day decides to move on to the NFL, I think whoever's in charge, whether that be Gene Smith or someone else at the athletic, at the uh, AD position, is going to have a big decision on their hands between Brian Hartline and Luke Fickle. Yeah, I agree. And wow. you may see Fickle get it first and Hartline be that you know, that offensive coordinator at that time. Uh, Fickle's got a few years on him, but not a ton. Right. I think maybe 10 years, maybe 10 years older, possibly somewhere around in there. <coughs> All right. Uh, let's move on to Justin Fry. So Justin Fry is the offensive line coach. Now he replaces uh, Greg Strudrawa. He's the associate head coach for offense. I have no idea what that's supposed to mean. I guess that's the justification for the pay raise that he received from going from 700,000 at UCLA where he was the OC and offensive line coach to 800,000 here at Ohio State in 20 excuse me 2022. He is on the hook through 2024, so it's going to be at least two seasons here of Justin Fry as a as the offensive line coach. 800,000 Obviously, his first year, we don't, we haven't seen a whole, whole bunch from him. We have seen what he's done a little bit on the recruiting trail, which we're about to talk about next. Chris, Justin Fry, worth it, not worth it? You know, if there was a category for ask me again in, you know, six months, that would be a good one here. But honestly, you know, I'm going to give the benefit of the doubt. He did a pretty good job at UCLA with a lot lesser talent, in my opinion. This is true. Given what we've heard in the press conferences, he sounds the part. Given what we saw in the spring game, I think that we saw major um, major improvement on that first team, specifically in the run game and being more physical and getting more push. Again, true. 
how that translates into real time game action against a real or against a opponent you don't share a locker room with, we'll have to wait and see. I'm staying positive though. As you mentioned, recruiting. I mean, he was he was the primary recruiter that helped us get our big uh, big boom this week in land uh, in landing um, Austin Saraveld. Mm-hmm. He was a secondary recruiter in getting Luke Montgomery, who was you know of course at the top of our boards as well. Right. So from what we've seen so far, I'm going to say optimistically, yes, I think he's going to be worth it. But as <laughs> of right now. You know, it, it is hard to say. Very well. Um, I'm with you, man. I, I thought for sure here we would disagree here. I would I thought maybe you would go not worth it, but I, I appreciate your optimism. So I'll, I'll go ahead and be I'll be the pessimist here. I say he's not worth it. And and I'll, I'll tell you the two reasons why I'm going to do that. I, I haven't seen a huge boom in recruiting. I don't know. how. I don't know if we could technically give him credit. For Luke Montgomery, so I, I, so I'm not gonna give him full credit on that. And so far, I just have not seen the giant boom on the offensive line that we've needed. Now I hope I'm wrong, but I'm gonna say at this point, not worth it. But I'm also my standard for offensive line recruiting for some reason, and maybe it's because I'm a bigger guy. It seems to be much higher than most people. I want our offensive line to be recruiting like Brian Hartline's recruiting the wide receiver room. Because I think that helps everything. Um, I'll go not worth it, so I'll disagree with you on that one. Let's talk about the running backs coach and the assistant head coach for offense. That being Tony Alford. He's been with the team for a while, all the way back to the Urban Meyer days. Last year, he made 618000 He got a little bit of a pump, uh, pay bump at 132000 more to bring it to an even seven hundred and fifty. He's on uh, he's on the hook for two more seasons as the running backs coach. He's been courted by many teams, including Notre Dame, but uh, which is where we snagged him from to begin with. But he's decided to stay in Columbus, Ohio, and he he had a funny quote this past weekend that uh, Henderson is making a lot more money than he is. <laughs> so at least he can have a little bit of a um, humorous side about yeah. the uh, that aspect of things. Tony Alford, worth it or not worth it, Chris? You know, he, he's one that I, I, I'm going to look at the the whole body of work going all the way back. I mean, he came in after we lost Stan Drayton, uh, began 2015. All we saw out of the run game was Ezekiel Elliott go for 1,821 yards and 23 touchdowns. 2016, you know, Weber um, – Goes for a thousand yards, nine touchdowns. As a freshman, I believe. As a freshman, we have J.K. Dobbins come in, you know, and he was really Alford's first big recruit, and all he did was go for fourteen hundred three yards and seven touchdowns as a freshman. Oh yeah, by the way, that junior year before he left, all he did was go post or go over uh, two thousand yards with twenty one touchdowns. Even in the COVID-shortened year, we still had a run attack that in, what, just over right around eight regular season games and, and a couple of playoff games, went over 2,000 yards. You know, Sermon, all he did was have this break Eddie George's single-game rushing record in, in the Big Ten title game. You know, Teague chipped in 514 yards and eight touchdowns that year. So, 
really think, and, and of course, what we saw out of Travion last year, you know, I really think that the product on the field speaks volumes. And given that, especially this last year, we didn't have the greatest production from the offensive line in our rush attack, which we've well documented on this show. I think that we did a really good job this year. So on the field, I think he's done a great job recruiting. Like I said, J.K. Dobbins, Master Teague, uh, you know, he's had a big boom here with Travion Henderson. Evan Pryor, who I think we both agree is, is going to be a huge star as well in the in the mold of, uh, you know, Curtis Samuel, possibly. Uh, we got Dallas Hayden coming in. He was key in getting Stokes in here. Um, you know, we've got Mark Fletcher and Cedric Con- uh, Hawkins. Uh, we got him to thank for those guys coming in in 2023. So I think he's been good on the recruiting uh, path. I think he's been good on the field. Yeah, seven hundred fifty thousand. I don't think that's out, that outrageous for that. I'm with you, actually. Um, <clears throat> I was really down on Tony Alford a couple years ago after losing uh, night. Uh, I think it was Kevin Knightley to um, I forget his first name, but his last name Knightley to Miami. Yeah, and then Bijan Robinson to Texas. Who Bijan Robinson is one of the few names who's in the list for Heisman this upcoming year for Texas. Um, but then he 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 came right back the next year. And got Evan Pryor and Trayvon Henderson, and all is right with the world again. So uh, I'm high on, on on Tony Alfred. I think his desire is to be a head coach someday. Um, his alma mater is Colorado State. If they ever offered it to him, I think he'd jump at it. So we'll see. Um, but um, I, I, I'm with you. I think he's great. Let's go to a couple new guys in the defensive backfield. Tim Walton, he's the secondary cornerbacks coach. We do not know what he made in 2021 because he was in the NFL, but he's making 700000 in 2022, and he's on the hook for two years as well. Tim Walton, is he worth it, not worth it? It's hard to kind of say right now, isn't it? This one's real tough to say for me, Eric. This is probably <clears> – <throat> excuse me. This is probably the one I've had the most difficulty with. Uh, you know, like Knowles Fry, uh, Ileana, Walton really doesn't have much to judge on at all. Uh I like his swagger. I like the attitude that he has. Uh, in the spring game, our corners did look good. Uh, he does have NFL experience, which is a plus, especially on the recruiting path. You know, having played for Ohio State, he knows what it means to be a Buckeye, especially on that last week in November. And you can bet he's going to instill that in those guys. Uh, and he recently did make kind of a splash with his first big recruit landing, uh, Deshaun Johnson. Uh, the four-star corner from Florida for 2023. I really think time only tells with this one, Eric. Um, may, maybe you'll sense a theme here. I'm kind of okay, and, and you know, we, we you have a tendency to say it. I'm going to kind of quote you on this one. In day we trust. If if Ryan Day thinks this is the right guy for the job, I have a hard time arguing with it. As long as we continue to show improvement and, and see some success, I think that 700,000 is not a bad price for it. His NFL track record, I think, speaks for itself. He, yeah. he he has coached some of the best in the NFL. And I like the fact that he has that opportunity to say to these recruits and to the players, you want to go to the NFL? Then I can get you there. So I, I like him a lot. Um, he's an ex-Buckeye himself, so I always love having ex-Buckeyes on the coaching staff. I think they understand how to – 
communicate the rivalry to these players a little bit better than those who don't, who didn't play in the game itself. So I think he's worth it. Now, this next one, I have some serious questions about. We're talking about safeties coach Perry Eliano. He made $215,000 last year as the secondary coach in Cincinnati. Yes, the Bearcats had a tremendous back as a defensive backfield. I will be the first one to admit that is a true statement. He almost he more than doubles his salary coming over here to Ohio State where he's now making 450,000. But for me, I've got to see the proof on this side. It's one thing to do it in Cincinnati where you've had the time to develop guys since they were freshmen and you're playing in a much weaker conference now albeit they did it against some of the best teams and and really hung tight against Alabama in, in the college football playoff. And I'll give I'll give him all the credit in the world for that, as well as the Bearcats in general. But you and I both know, Chris, that Luke Fickle is a defensive guru, in my opinion. I don't know how much Perry had to do with that. Um, I've got to see it on the recruiting front, and I need to see the development here at Ohio State. I'm going to say at this moment, not worth it. Do you disagree with me? Yeah, I kind of do, Eric, only because, first of all, 450000 to me is not an outrageous amount for a coach who, let's look at what the Bearcats did for a second. In 2021, they were the first non-Power 5 team to make it to the playoffs. Why did they do that? Because they had a great defense. Like you said, fickle defensive guru. This defense had six players drafted in the NFL draft. Three of those six came out of, of Eliano's defensive backfield. He had the 2021 Jim Thorpe winner in Sauce Gardner, who went number four to the Jets. We had Christian Bryant's little brother, Kobe, going the fourth round to the Seahawks. And then uh, the safety, Cook, went in the second round. I mean, these guys didn't just go. They went, I mean, two of the three went in, in the first two days. And, you know, if you talk to these guys, they credit Eliana with their development. You know, Cincinnati, with Eliano as the defensive backs coach, they finished in the top four in the country, pass efficiency defense, interceptions, and opponent's completion uh, percentage. So while he does have a lot to prove at Ohio State, and I do agree with you on that, I really feel like this guy can take our safeties to the next level. Now, he's not as charismatic as Walton. Walton's got a charisma about him. He's got a swagger. Uh, you know, same thing with Knowles. Knowles has a swagger. He doesn't, uh, you know, he doesn't project that the way these guys do. But I really think that, I think he's a good X's and O's guy. I think he probably learned a lot working with Luke Fickle. And as far as recruiting goes, he was the primary on Malik Hartford, who we just, uh, you know, landed for 2023. He also served as a secondary on on Cedric Hawkins. So, you know, I think 450000 if we busted 500000 I'd probably say, no, not worth it yet. But as long as we stand at that half million, I, I think I'm okay with it. So I'm going to say worth it. Okay. We got two more here. How about the quarterbacks coach Corey Dennis, famously known as the nephew of one Urban Meyer, 
Last year he was making three hundred thousand. He gets a pay bump of a grand to four hundred thousand, and he's going to be with us for at least two more years through twenty twenty four. Chris, I'm interested to hear what you think about Urban's nephew here. I, I'm just going to turn it over to you first because I've got some feelings. Go for it. Okay. So Corey Dennis joined us 2020 as the quarterbacks coach. You know, he worked with Justin Fields, who did go in the, the first round of the 2021 draft. He's worked with C.J. Stroud, who's been a Heisman finalist. As well as, you know, of course, the backup, Kyle McCord, uh, who I think we saw in the spring game. I, I think we saw a little bit of progress with him. As a recruiter, you know, he, he's been the primary on Quinn Ewers, which we're, we probably just want to forget that. But uh, Kyle McCord and Devin Brown. He also was a secondary recruiter on Denzel Burke, so he can help in the recruiting front, I believe. Expectations are high for this guy because of his his connection to Urban Meyer and because he's working to this point with Urban and, and, and Ryan's quarterbacks in a Ryan Day pass-heavy offense. So he's really benefited a lot from the coaching and the guys that he's had. However, at the same time, you know, I was a bigger fan at 300,000 than I am at 400,000. But if you look strictly at the numbers of the guys he's worked with, I think 400,000 is fair. If you dive deeper into looking at the fact that he has had possibly some of the greatest quarterback talent Ohio State has ever seen, arguably the best wide receiver group that Ohio State has ever seen, and the most prolific offensive-minded head coach that Ohio State has ever seen, it would be arguable that he's maybe not worth it. So, um, yeah, I think it was a better deal at 300000 I think 400000 is fair. But I think that the jury's still out on Corey Dennis because given everything he's had to work with, it's hard to know how good he really is. Okay, so the quarterback success we have had, we all can agree that it's Ryan Day. Come on. I don't disagree. Like I said, he's been the beneficiary of having great talent that belonged to Ryan Day in a Ryan Day pass of the offense, and he's had Brian Hartline's receivers. What do you think Corey Dennis's role is in the, the development of these quarterbacks, Be, in, in all honesty? I just don't know how much he actually does. I'll be honest. Like I said, if you look at the numbers, strictly going by the numbers, you would say, yeah, this guy's absolutely worth it. But given what he's benefited from, it it is hard to say. Uh, Okay, I think he's worth it. I think you changed my mind, Chris. Congratulations. But I want to see more. I want to see Corey. Corey, and it's it's hard for us to say because we're not there. But I will say this: not a single former Buckeye or current Buckeye talks ill of him at all. And well, I think I'm Corey, afraid of what Urban will do to him. <laughs> I'll be afraid Urban will kick him. <laughs> well, if he was not if he was not helpful 
someone would have had said something by now. Agreed. Uh, okay, last one. Special teams coordinator Parker Fleming made three hundred thousand last year. He's staying the same at three hundred thousand. He's contracted through the end of this season. Worth it? Not worth it? At this point, I say not worth it because I don't know what he does for our special teams. Last year, special teams outside of kicking field goals, you know, I just didn't see anything special. But I don't know what a, truly a special teams coordinator can really do other than just if something really bad happens. You know, I guess if nothing bad happens, you're actually doing well. But I don't know. Three hundred thousand. Again, I'll say not worth it. But I'm just. I'm just being uh, a negative Nancy at this point for that. Okay. I'm going to make the same argument with him that I made with uh, Dennis. Okay. If you look at it by the numbers, we had a top 25 uh, group in special teams in two categories. We were 20th in kickoff defense only giving up 17.8 yards per. We were 22nd in returns with 24.5. Ekbuka was 12th nationally in kickoff return yardage at 29 yards per. And we had a really, really good, solid uh, kicking game with Noah Ruggles. Ruggles, of course, converted 100% of his extra point attempts and 95.2% of his field goal attempts finishing 20 of 21. There's obviously, I think, room for improvement. And this is, is is the reason I might question whether or not he's worth it. I think the biggest room for improvement comes on our kickoff and punt coverage. But overall, 300,000 is not terrible. Um, so I'm not going to be upset about it. But I'm kind of with you on this one, Eric. Outside of our kicking game, which is courtesy of a transfer kicker who I don't know that he came here because of Parker Fleming as much as he was just irritated at North Carolina. Um, so we haven't seen a, a any great, you know, tremendous um, recruiting on his part. Uh, and the being 22nd in return yardage given up, or 20th in return yardage given up is not great. So I, I think I'm going to lean with you. I don't know that he's worth it. I don't think it's completely unfair at 300,000, but I don't know that he's worth it. I'd tell you straight up right now, you and I could go coach this, uh, the special teams unit when you have a Mecca Buka returning kickoffs and Noah Ruggles drilling 50 yard field goals. And we could do that job. I don't disagree. <laughs> <coughs> All right, that was fun. We only disagreed once, actually, I think, or twice. So, very good. All right, uh, we'll do that again next year at this time. Let's move on to the uh, newest Buckeye. You brought him up uh, when you were talking about uh, Justin Fry and whether he was worth it or not as our offensive line coach. Austin Austin Sereveld. I, I had practiced before we even started recording, Chris, and had it down. Sierra Veld. Sierra Veld. Austin Sierra Veld. There we go. I think we got it. Um, big offensive lineman from Middletown, Ohio, Lakota East. Boy, boy, I tell you what, Chris. 
Lakota West and Lakota East are becoming a pipeline for us here in the last couple of years. Absolutely. Yeah, this is, th- those two high schools there uh, are just slamming out Division One talent for the Buckeyes, and we appreciate that. Big boy, man. He three uh, uh, three hundred and fifteen pounds, six foot five on his um, on his tape. Chris, he's outside as a tackle. He's obviously going to be kicked inside. I'm going to talk about that in a minute, but let me give you his stats. According to the 247 composite rankings, he's 351st nationally, low star, low four-star, 20th ranked inside or interior offensive lineman, 7th highest ranked recruit from the state of Ohio in 2023. What do you think of Austin Sierraveld, Chris? Where bust out the log cabin because this guy is serving up the pancakes. I said it before. I'll say it again. I love the kid. I love what he brings to the table. I like you said tackle at the high school level, but he's definitely going to move inside. I think at the next level. Great size, gets off the ball really well. Nice footwork, and I think he's very agile for a big man. Gets great push and really drives his defenders. Has nice body control. Bends well especially considering he's only a high school you know, junior at this point, has toughness, and I love that. And he has a genuine mean streak in him, I believe. It seemed like every play, the high, in, in the highlight reel, man, he was standing over a defender. He just planted six inches deep into the turf. He's only going to get better after Coach Mick gets a hold of this guy. I think gets him <coughs> a little more lean, adds a little bit more strength and muscle to this guy. He could probably also use a little bit of shine on that technique. So Coach yeah. Fry is going to have to work with him a little bit, specifically, I think, in that pass blocking. But, Eric, I really believe this kid will be a starter, maybe as soon as his sophomore season, definitely by his junior year. I think that he's going to be a tremendous talent. Austin is a large human being. Very um, large. He is definitely more suited for the inside as a guard. Um, because he's an absolute road grader, Chris. Um, and you mentioned it, he has definitely got a mean streak, which I, I look for an alignment. If you are soft as alignment and you don't have a mean streak, I, I I don't want you, you've got to be a nasty human being on the offensive line because you're going to be in the trenches. And when you're down there in the trenches, which is where the, a lot of games are won and lost. You need somebody who's got that mean streak. I think think he's got it. I absolutely think he's got it. Now, those are the positives. Let me give you the negatives here. His technique as a tackle is not good. He bends at the waist way too much. He, He gets beat off the edge and reaches and holds way too much. And these were in his highlight films, okay? So those are some of the negative grades. Now, here's the positives. Going back to the positives. The three schools that wanted him, Ohio State, Notre Dame, and Alabama. Last time I checked, those were three pretty good uh, colleges there that uh, you could go to any of those and become an NFL talent, right? Especially Alabama lately uh, alongside Ohio State. But Notre Dame's putting together a a very, very good 2023 class uh, as we speak. Actually, they're ranked higher than us when it comes to the overall grade of their recruit. But he's 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 the type of guy I have been I have been under under Greg Strudala, Coach Stud, 
Coach Stud would overpass this guy. This is the type of Ohio recruit that goes to Michigan State, that goes to Wisconsin, uh, Wisconsin goes to uh, Penn State, goes Iowa. to Cincinnati, goes to Kentucky, and becomes a third-round NFL uh, a prospect in their fourth or fifth season on campus. Because I've said it before, and I'll say it again, in Ohio, offensive linemen are just different than they are in the South. Same is true for the state up north, Indiana, Illinois, Wisconsin. Colder climate states produce better run-blocking offensive linemen because we still run the ball up here, where in the South and out in the West Coast, they're playing more seven-on-seven-like football, which is why you're seeing us getting our quarterbacks and our wide receivers mostly from the West Coast and from the South. Because that's the type of game they're playing there. Here in the Midwest, you still have to run the football in high school. And so these guys are just better prepared for the physicality of the Big Ten. And Coach Stud would go down south and get a guy who might be ranked 250. And that recruit from Ohio who was 350 goes on to another school and absolutely dominates. And if you've been paying attention like we have, this is the guy that we were missing out on. So even though he might be at 351 nationally, I honestly believe he is probably a high four-star top 200 offensive lineman because of where he comes from, Chris. Yeah, and it's like we've talked about, Eric. What we missed out on last year was that meanness, that nastiness, that grit that comes with those those, you know, cold weather offensive linemen, and this kid has it. Yeah, he absolutely does. It'll be very interesting to see how our offensive line looks this year. We need some depth, man. Uh, the two deep was not looking good, <coughs> and and I, I would not be surprised come next year. Some of these guys are going to be in the two deep right away. Yeah. So good get for the Buckeyes and uh, getting – uh, Lakota East High School, Austin Searveld. All right, so let's do this, Chris. I don't want to make it too much longer. We're already almost 45 minutes into this podcast. You and I are breaking down the 2024 class here. It is, it is recruiting season, folks. This is when we really start to dive into recruiting and we review these booms that we're going to be getting. But Chris and I are going to do this. He's breaking down the top five guys that we must get or we're going to try to get from the state of Ohio in the 2024 class. So these are kids who are going to be going into their junior seasons this upcoming season. I'm going to be giving you five names from outside of the state of Ohio that you need to know that I think are must gets for the Buckeyes. Okay. So we'll go back and forth. I'll let you go first with number five. We'll work our way down to number one, Chris. And we'll go back and forth. So number five, the the number five guy from the state of Ohio that we need to know about in the class of 2024 that we think Ohio State needs to get. Well, for me, I think this is Elias Rudolph. He's a six-foot-four, 220-pound edge rusher out of Taft High School in Cincinnati. Four-star prospect with a... 0.9104 ranking currently. 
uh, our rating currently. He's ranked 204 in the country, 17th best among the edge rushers, fourth best among Ohio players in this cycle. He's a speed rusher, good quickness, gets off the blocks well. Great first step, plays through the whistle, great motor, Eric. And he plays with great length as well, uses his hands well. And the reason I love this guy is, yeah, he needs to add a little bit of muscle mass. But let me tell you, he's versatile. He could play the outside linebacker. He could play the defensive end, making him a prime candidate to fill what position, Eric? That's right, the jack position. So he's got Ohio State listed in his top three. If we don't land this kid, we're going to lose him to the ACC, either Clemson or Pitt. And I'll tell you, I like him. I think he's my number five. <coughs> Excuse me. I like his size. Yeah. Yeah. Six four two twenty. That's that's a that's a nice size athlete right there. Um. Okay. Number five for me, and and this is a name. I love this. I love this name. Cam Pringle, four star offensive tackle from Woodland High School in Dorchester, South Carolina. He's a massive human being almost Dewan Jones size here 67 330 pounds um the 247 recruit uh, recruiting experts from the south say that this is the best recruit to come out of the state of South Carolina in probably 20 years this guy is awesome composite has him 70, 70th nationally second tackle in the class first in the state of South Carolina and currently, his top two top two schools are South Carolina and Ohio State. And currently, the experts believe he is a, a slight lean, ever so slightly, to South Carolina. But Pringle has mentioned he's going to be making a visit to Ohio State very soon. I think he's going to be coming in June. And the experts believe that Ohio State is going to have a very good chance of landing Mr. Pringle uh, in the class of 2024. Number four, Chris. Well, just in case we don't land Mr. Pringle, I've got a guy at number four who is an offensive tackle out of Avon High School in Avon, Ohio, of course, four-star prospect Luke Hamilton. He has currently got a rating of .9072, ranked 217th nationally, ninth best among the offensive tackles, and fifth best in Ohio. Big, strong kid, good push off the line. Doesn't pancake every guy he blocks like the young man we were just talking about a little bit ago in uh, Austin Sierraveld. He gets good push into the second level, though, uh, on run blocks. He is, I think, pretty strong in pass protection. Finishes his blocks, good footwork. Uses his hands fairly well. Um, and I've got him currently... Uh, he, he doesn't really have any leans at this time, and he doesn't really have anybody he's really warm on at this time. But from what I'm hearing, he does like Ohio State uh, as his favorite school at the moment. Um, no offers out there at this time, but I think that uh, he is definitely one that we need to get here from Ohio. <clears throat> All right, let's move on to the number four ranked guy nationally, and that would be just Josiah Trader, five-star athlete. From Miami Central High School in Miami, Florida, six one and a half, 170 pounds. He's ranked fourth nationally as an athlete, first 
or excuse me, a fourth nationally overall. He's the fourth ranked national recruit, first athlete in the in in the nation, and third in the state of Ohio. He is being recruited heavy by Alabama, Florida, Florida State, and Ohio State. There is no lean yet to any school, but here's the thing. Brian Hartline's on the job, buddy. Josiah, Josiah, I can't even pronounce his name. Josisa, Josisha, Josisa, I don't know. Trader, we'll call him Jay Trader. How about that? Jay Trader is being recruited by Brian Hartline, and whenever Hartline's on the job, you know we've got a very good opportunity of landing this guy. And he can play offense or defense, so he's very versatile. Depends on what he wants to do come 2024. Chris, the third guy from Ohio, who you got? Well, before I get to my third guy, let me just say, if Hartline's on it, Trader Joe's is coming to Columbus. Trader, Trader Joe, there it is. Absolutely. There you go. I'm going to do my best Mike Bullock here. You can book it. Okay, there you go. All right, so number three for me, another big man, and that is Ben Roebuck. He's a 6'7", 320-pound offensive tackle from St. Edward High School in Lakewood. Four-star prospect, has a current rating of .9313. He's ranked 146th best player in the nation, fifth best among the offensive tackles, third best in the state of Ohio for the 2024 cycle. Eric, this guy is just big. He is truly a big, ugly, big, strong kid, athletic, quick, great footwork, uses his hands exceptionally well for someone at his level. Uh, right now, he is warm on Ohio State and Penn State. One of the big reasons to get him is just so the Nittany Lions don't. I mean, and obviously, my last two uh, being tackles, uh, I think is going to lead up to a guy who you may be talking about in that first or second spot. But, uh, yeah, no, number three for me, Ben Roebuck. <laughs> number three for me is a running back, Stacy Gage, five-star from IMG Academy in Bradenton, Florida. Um, this is a, this is a school that we've done very well recruiting and IMG Academy, but everybody else and their brother wants to poach guys from there too. He's 30th nationally overall second at his position at running back 10th in the state of Florida, uh, Bama, USC, Oklahoma, Ohio state, uh, all the big names. And, uh, he is a slight lean to the Sooners at this point, but this is anybody's game. And I'll say this. Re- running back recruiting is interesting because it's very reciprocal in the fact that if you have a big guy one year, it's probably going to have to skip a year before you get another big name guy. Because unlike the the way Ohio State's been able to stack wide receivers and quarterbacks back to back to back to back, running backs seem to be a skip every other year. And so given the fact that <clears throat> Travion Henderson is going to be a sophomore and the recruits coming in in 2023 – don't seem to be the one, two, or three top guys. There's an opportunity here that Ohio State can sneak in and get Gage to commit to Ohio State. So he's very high on their board. Number two from the Buckeye State, Chris. Well, the number two guy from Ohio, Tavion Galloway. Love this kid, by the way. I love this kid. Six foot five, 230-pound tight end from Chillicothe. Four-star recruit with a current rating of He's ranked as the 136th best player in the nation, sixth best at tight end, second best from the state of Ohio for 2024. 
versatile player. He didn't only play tight end. He played several different spots on the defense as well. Very athletic, uh, great footwork. And we're going to go back to he was a basketball player, Eric, and you know how great the footwork is on those basketball players. Great first step, great quickness, very good hands, great catch radius. Uh, you know, he can go down and and just scoop that ball off the ground. I uh, saw that a little bit in his highlight reel. Uh, you know, he can go up high and get it. We saw that a bit in his highlight reel. Uh, tough to bring down after the catch. This guy is just solid. He's got tree trunks for that bottom half of himself. Uh, I do think he needs to improve his blocking a little bit, but he is a definite pass set, uh, asset in the passing game. Right now, very much, I think, a Gee Scott type tight end, but I think this guy can develop into the mold of that Jeremy Ruckert type tight end. Yeah. I don't know if he'll hit that 250. Right. But you get this kid up to 240, I think he's definitely got the same type skill set. He remind, His highlight film reminds me of Jeremy Ruckert's. Absolutely. And if it doesn't work out for him in offense, the dude can play defensive end, and he's good enough to be a Division One basketball player. Yeah, that this that's the kind of guy we're talking about. He is very very good. Maybe get a little a little bit of Ricky Dudley action going on there. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> There's a blast from the past. Number two from outside the state of Ohio. Let's talk about wide receivers. Jeremiah Smith, five star wide receiver. Again, another school that you should know, Chaminade Madonna Prep High School in Opalaca, Florida, 6'3", 185 pounds, the third overall national recruit <coughs> class of 2024, first overall first wide receiver in the class, and second in the state of Florida, Bama, Florida, USC, Ohio State, all on the case. Here it is again. Brian Hartline is the main recruiter, and the experts believe he is a slight OSU lean. Could we get back-to-back-to-back-to-back-to-back number one wide receiver recruits? Brian Hartline's going to say, yes, I can. I love this kid. Can you imagine that size already as as a sophomore? I mean, that kid is huge for a sophomore. Yeah, he he's and he, he has a great skill set for his age. He is going to be a, he's he's going to be one that the NFL scouts drool over just based on size. Yeah, absolutely. So I guess that brings us to number one, Eric. Yep. And number one out of the state of Ohio is a five foot eleven, one hundred eighty pound athlete out of Cleveland Glenville High School and one Brace West. He's currently a four-star prospect with a rating of .9677, according to the 247 composite. He's ranked as the 65, uh, 65th best player in the nation, ninth among athletes. He is number one in the state of Ohio. Eric, the kid's awesome. So he's classified as an athlete, but as a defensive back in high school, he is impressive. Lightning fast. He had a 4.3640, plays with length has a nose for the ball, is extremely athletic. As I said, he plays long. He can he can high point the ball really well. Uh, excuse me. Uh, you know, he tips the ball, deflects passes, gets the interceptions. And honestly, what impressed, impressed me most is the physicality. The kid plays corner, but he hits like a linebacker. You know, and he could play 
he has the the the, the, the versatility to play anywhere in that defensive backfield. Uh, I, I love what he has already entering the, this junior campaign that he's going to enter. Uh, you, you know, he's going to be a key. We're going to lose Denzel Burke to the draft when he becomes eligible in 2024. Yeah, I'm saying it. This kid may not be that transcendent talent just yet, but I think he's going to, he could be, get there. I think he could actually come in as a freshman and start much the same way that Denzel Burke did. Second biggest reason we need to land this kid, the other teams in line for services, that team up north, Sparty and the Nittany Lions. And Eric, we cannot, absolutely not have them land the number one recruit from the state of Ohio. We just can't. You're right. So here's the thing. Before I before I drop drop the the best the best nugget uh, on the 2024 class on all of you, the Ohio football Ohio high school football class of 2023 is not good. We got five currently, and I think we might end up with six total. <coughs> the class of 2024 from the state of Ohio, very good. Yes. And I could see us landing eight, nine, or maybe even ten kids from the state of Ohio in the class of 2024. You, you, it was hard to pick five guys, wasn't it? It really was. I mean, there are so many, and again, there are so many that I think are just underrated. Yeah, there are eight four-star guys from the state of Ohio, and then you mentioned Ben Roebuck, who. Uh, is a uh, has not received his fourth um, star yet, and he's going to get one. Yeah, and that would be nine. And then you've got like Brian Robinson from Youngstown, who's probably the best recruit out of Youngstown since the Trestle years. Who's a defensive end who's shooting up recruiting boards. You've got Ted Hammond from St. X in Cincinnati, another defensive lineman that has got a motor for days. Um, I mean, there's all kinds of great talent in the state of Ohio in 2024. So much so that if you put a all-star all-star uh, group together of 2023 kids and 2024 kids, and you played them here, I think the 2024 kids from the state of Ohio destroy the 2023 kids. Those 2024 just, kids may go out and defeat half the teams in the MAC. I mean, they are they are awesome. So if those of you who keep up on recruiting, Ohio State is aware of the 2024 class. There's a lot of chatter out there that Ohio State is not doing well in the 2023 recruiting. Um, I, I don't they don't will. don't panic. The national recruits are going to start coming our way. The top 100 guys are going to start dropping in June, in July, in August. I'm telling you, we're going to be another top five class again. But watch out for 2024. Given what we've got in the state of Ohio, uh, we could win the recruiting battle in 2024. And I, I think this coaching staff knows that. They are smarter than a lot of these guys who who are out there who are saying recruiting's bad in 2023. They already know that the talent's in 2024. So just keep that in mind. Number one guy that is on the on their board outside of the state of Ohio is a quarterback named Dylan Riola. Five-star quarterback, 6'3", 
225 pounds from Chandler High School in Chandler, Arizona. He's the eighth overall recruit nationally, third overall recruit at quarterback, and first in the state of Ohio in the 247, excuse me, first in the state of Arizona in the 247 composite. He's being recruited by Bama, Georgia, Oregon, USC, and Ohio State. He is the son of a former NFL center who played for Detroit, and that guy's first name is escaping me, but Rayola was the center for a long time and for the Detroit Lions, and his boy is an absolute stud. Uh, are you ready for a Big Ten tie to that too, Eric? Go for I it. I believe Dad played at Nebraska. You're, that's correct. You're right. And he is a heavy Heavy lean to Ohio State with every expert saying crystal balls are for the Buckeyes. It looks like Ryan Day is going to land another stud quarterback. And as much as we taught how uh, how good our de- our depth is at quarterback this year, when we talk about McCord and Brown, Rayola is better than both of them, in my opinion. I don't know That's if you've seen scary. his film. Yeah, I don't know if you've seen his film yet, Chris. But this this kid is he is a stud. He is a future NFL quarterback, first round draft pick. Oh, I mean, he's he's he is that. Well, Where he's think, still only a sophomore. This kid could grow into to Roethlisberger type size by the time he gets to Ohio State. He's, he's almost there. Yeah. I mean, his dad his daddy was an offensive lineman in the NFL, and the kid <laughs> got it got a golden arm. I mean, he is, he is going to be a beast. Um, I think McCord and Brown can develop into first round talent. Possibly. I think Rayola is first round talent. So Ryan day knows what he's doing when he comes to recruiting quarterbacks, my man. So there you go. That's a little bit of an introduction to the 2024 class from inside the state and a little bit of a flavor nationally as well. Keep your ear to the ground because these guys are coming in June hot and heavy. And uh, sounds like they're going to get a couple booms in the 2024 class very, very soon. So make sure you are on the lookout for that. We're going to take a quick commercial break. We come back. Chris and I are going to talk about Chris. So stay tight, everybody. The OHIO podcast is brought to you by Mastermind. Mastermind specializes in 360-degree high-definition mobile video mapping, GIS integration, and traffic safety studies. Mastermind cares about traffic safety and keeping you safe on the roadway. Visit Mastermind at OnlineMastermind.com. And welcome back to the OHIO podcast. All right, Chris. Now, I've had the opportunity of interviewing a lot of our listeners, and I think it's time to interview you. Now, this is going to be a little bit different than what we do with some of our uh, listeners and guests because I want to talk to you about podcasting number one and number two, how you got into the merchandise of dealing Ohio State memorabilia. So you and I met I guess it was through Facebook, through the Ohio State store and lots more. You started posting um, on our fans group page about the store, as I recall. And then I came to visit. And when I did, I knew right away that I had to I had to collaborate with you guys 
And then we did a special show uh, at the store before the Clemson um, game back in 2019, I believe. Yes. If, am I recalling all of this correctly? You are. Okay. Then we had the unfortunate, um, I guess, unfortunate uh, just life in general where Aaron had to go overseas and I did not have a partner. And I remember when Aaron interviewed you for the podcast at the store that you were very comfortable and you had a great knowledge of the Buckeyes. And so I reached out to you and said, hey, are you interested in joining us? And you did. So my question to you, Chris, is how have you enjoyed podcasting in general and your what do you think of the OHIO podcast as one of the hosts, man? Well, I love it, Eric. It, it, you know, it gives us first of all, it gives the fans a voice. I'm not a broadcaster. I'm not a member of the media. I'm just a fan who now has a voice. Uh, so for me, that's huge, you know, and especially when you hear people in the national media who say something that's just so off base or so wrong, you know, and, and we may have some inside knowledge from being here in Ohio to where we can set it straight or we've got the fans perspective. Um, so for me, that's the best part about podcasting is as we are a fan-driven podcast, not just from the standpoint of the fans we interact with or the listeners we interact with, but also, you know, we've got Aaron who, yes, he, he's got all this football knowledge, but he's a fan. We've got you who's got the – you've got football knowledge. You've got the media background, but you're a fan first. And I think for me that is what is so attractive about the OHIO podcast is the fact that we are fans first, but at the same time, we have the ability to separate ourselves and be critical of our team without being, I, I guess, just Debbie Downer about it. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, it's a very good perspective. Um, I like that, actually. I like that perspective. You know, I tell everybody, you know, we, we are fans. This is a fan this is a fan podcast. It's by fans for the fans. That's one of our slogans. Um, there's a lot of media members who run podcasts because the way media is today with video and audio being more listened to and watched than the printed word, these journalists have had to adapt to survive. And so now they're podcasters and they're YouTubers and they're doing all these things in order to pay the bills. We're not doing this to pay the bills. We do this because it's our passion. It's our hobby. Um, I look at podcasting very similar to other hobbies that I enjoy because to me it's fun. Yeah. If, if it wasn't fun I, and this was like a job to me, I think it would come across that way as being like – almost boring to listen to. And there are some Buckeye podcasts that quite frankly, I find incredibly boring, Chris. Yes, I and, agree. And so I, I love and appreciate your enthusiasm. And I think that adds to the, to the show, but this is not the only podcast we do. You're the co-host here, but you host varsity videos, 
So why don't you talk a little bit about that, what you like about that podcast, and maybe how you kind of separate the two in your mind. Well, you know, I think we get bleed over a little bit from time to time, obviously. Um, But Varsity Videos actually spawned from this. Last year when it was just you and I, you know, and we were in that awkward period, uh, you know, starting in late January when we just really – you know, we aren't really quite in recruiting season yet. We've just finished up the season. What are we going to do? We came up with the idea of doing a 64 movie bracket. Uh, you know, just discussing some of the, some of our favorite sports movies. And it just spun off from there. Um, we took it. We ran with it. I think the listeners really loved it. I know that you and I, both being movie buffs, really loved it, and we we spun it into its own podcast. Uh, You know, our catchphrase is, we rank sports movies from the Super Bowl to the Toilet Bowl, (laughs) and we've seen all of those, Eric. I mean, we've gone from— We've ran the gamut, haven't we? (laughs) we, We've gone from Remember the Titans to the 1970s version of The Wrestler. Well, which is even better than Sandlot 2, so... Which is even better than Sandlot 2, yes, <laughs> so... Uh, but it's great to be able to sit down and... and you, you know, it's one thing to watch the movie, but then I can see a movie that I've watched three, four, five times, sit down and watch it again, and when I'm breaking it down to do the podcast, I can think, wow, you know, this is something different. This is an angle I hadn't looked at, you know, how important was was the music to this scene? How important was, uh, you know, the the imagery, the the uh, fact that and remember the Titans, yeah. they got the 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 era right as far as the way they they uh, projected the 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 60s 70s era. You know, I mean, to me, that's huge. Um, it, it's what makes the movie great. Is just all those little components, and it's something that I don't think we look at as necessarily movie fans but as a movie buff who's going to discuss it we really dive in and break it down more and realize just how impactful those little things are Mm-hmm. yeah i i i enjoy it it gives me because i i probably watch chris i don't know about you i probably watch two to three movies a week on average um at least yeah. And and if it's a it's a it's a rainy week and there's I mean when I'm on the road a lot so when I'm in a hotel at my uh for work by myself I'll I'll watch a movie you know in the evening because I you know I don't watch I don't watch television hardly at all if Who it's does? not sports related. Yeah. So I you know I just watched the movie Rad from the 80s this past week when I was in a hotel and and I would have never have done that if not for varsity videos as far as some of these sports movies that we have have um, encountered and I think it's a lot of fun. I've really enjoyed it. And I think uh, a lot of people, like you said, like it as well. Um, so let's talk a little bit about the memorabilia side. Now you have helped run the Ohio state store and lots more with your, I believe Vicky's your aunt, if I'm not cousin. mistaken, cousin. Okay. Uh, there in Marion, Ohio, it is a very, um, it is a very, uh, I guess the word I want to use is, um, a very different Ohio State store in the fact that you can find almost anything there. And if they don't have it, Chris says, I'll find it for you. 
Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so I love it. I mean, I've been to a lot of Ohio State stores. I've been to the one that's uh, half Ohio State, half Michigan up in Toledo. I've been to the one in Tiffin. I've been to quite a few of them here in Central Ohio and Columbus. You've got Conrad's and you, you got the one on Lane and you got the one over in, uh, I believe it's Polaris. Polaris. You know, all of these. And I'm just going to come right out and say it. Your guys' prices destroy them. And you have you have a lot of the same stuff they do. And then you have a lot of stuff that they don't have that is very unique. And so why don't you give yourself a little plug about the store? I know I know Vicky won't mind. How can people find you? And then tell, talk to us a little bit about your own background, Chris, as far as memorabilia is concerned. Well, we're easy to find. We're on Facebook at Ohio State Store and lots more. Um, we do not currently have a website available for sale, uh, but we uh, that is something that is possibly in the works. Uh, we often do different things like uh, every August we set up at the Route 30 National Yard Sale. Um, we've talked about expanding to maybe doing a couple more. Uh, in the coming year, uh, we do, we actually are going to be this next, not the weekend we're recording it, but next weekend, uh, we are actually going to be going to the Tiffin flea market and actually setting up a booth up there for, uh, their opening weekend of the season. So, um, we basically get the word out by word of mouth. We don't do a ton of advertising. Um, and we are now really the only Ohio State store in the Marion area. We did have another one uh, downtown at one point, but they have since closed their doors. Um, and we we sell, like you said, we sell a little bit of everything. We have tailgate things. We have things to bling out your car with. We have, um, I personally do a lot with autograph memorabilia. Um, I do a lot with the pro merchandise. Uh, we have jerseys we have t-shirts we have bobbleheads uh little uh little statues um picture frames uh flags all kinds of flags uh, pocket knives games you, you name it if it has ohio state browns bengals steelers cowboys uh on it we probably have something and if we don't, like you said, I typically can find it, whether it's through one of our vendors that we currently use, whether it's going online and finding it from a vendor elsewhere. Um, we do special order things for people. Uh, as you can attest, I actually special orders uh, ordered some uh, NFL jerseys for you recently. Um, actually, for you and uh, one of our other co-hosts, uh, Nick. Nice. Um, yeah, so I got a Burrow jersey and I got a Justin Fields jersey. And then we, we also uh, – we've done a lot of business in the autograph memorabilia. Um, now, the autograph memorabilia is something that I started many, many years ago. Uh, and that all stemmed from me starting out as a ball card collector as a kid. I, I used to – there was a guy down the street from me when I was growing up that when I was about 13, 14 years old, got me started collecting baseball cards. And – uh, you know, I had a massive collection of ball cards at the time. And then I, uh, 
after he closed his shop. A few years later, a gentleman who was a teacher here in Marion by the name of Tim Tanner had opened up a ball card shop uh, down uh, on the corner of Center Street in Greenwood. And I used to go in there all the time, hang out in the evenings, and that's where I got my first autograph. Uh, he had gotten some autograph memorabilia, and it was a piece I still have. It was a photo of Steve Young, Jerry Rice, and uh, Deion Sanders that the three of them had all autographed. That was the very first piece of uh, autograph memorabilia I purchased. And uh, from there, the, the collection just started growing. It started out with some cards, then some 8 by 10 photos. Uh, and now I've got my wife yelling at me that I need to get rid of some of this stuff because, wow, I've just got way too much. <laughs> yeah, I've kind of hit a I've, – I've slowed down. I've slowed down because my basement is full, and now they, the overflow is going to the unfinished side of the business. My wife's like, why are you – keeping this stuff so uh <clears throat> some some of my stuff might be going into the summer yard sale this year as far as uh, some of my some of my merchandise uh, uh, yeah. we're not talking summer yard sales eric you you know who to call i know that's true <laughs> that's true uh anyways uh chris i i you are I, I i laugh and tell everybody you're my drug dealer because i am addicted to ohio state memorabilia i love my i love my buckeye basement uh, have you seen the basement? I think you've been down the basement. Yeah, I was actually there for the uh, the game against that team up north this year. Yeah, okay. So so you know the basement. It, like it's it's legit. It is uh it's got we've got the field turf, we've got the most epic couch you could ever get. We've got the buckeye themed uh, fish tank. <laughs> we've got we've got just a lot of unique things in in the buckeye basement, but uh you know, and I can thank you for a lot of that, Chris. So uh, appreciate. Well, and actually, that. Eric, it's kind of funny you mentioned that. I actually had someone contact me recently about actually kind of—I don't want to say designing their basement, but designing their basement. They, they wanted me to come up with ideas for how they could decor their basement as an Ohio State basement, as a fan cave. Nice, nice. I don't want to. I, I tried to keep keep mine classy. I didn't want to go overboard, but at the same time, I've got so much memorabilia that I had to show it off. So that was a part of the that was part of the gist there. So if you want a great gift for a Buckeye fan, you need to contact Chris and come up with something. And if you're into memorabilia and trading autographs and things again, or you want to create an autograph collection like I you know, like I have done. By all means, you need to contact Chris because he he can get you what you're looking for at a great price. All right, Chris, last question, man, before we call it a day. Uh, I know this interview with you was a little bit different, like I said, than a lot of our listeners. But I want to hear from you. You have not had the opportunity to answer this question. What does it mean to you to be a Buckeye? Oh, that's that's tough. I mean, for me, I think it comes down to – Pride and, and and tradition. I mean, those are, I think, really the the hallmark of what Ohio State's all about. Uh, you know, from the two-time Heisman Trophy winner to the band to, you know, myself being having graduated as a student from Ohio State, uh, as did my wife and my brother and my two sisters. Um, you know, we are an Ohio State family. Uh, so I think there's a lot of pride in that. Um, and as a fan, you know, I, I I 
just have this intense sense of pride when, you know, one of the big things, and, and this used to drive my brother nuts, because uh, he he was, I mean, I played sports, but he was an athlete. He was a good athlete uh, growing up. And one of the things that used to absolutely drive him insane would be when somebody referred to the team and, and was like, we, but they didn't play on the, didn't play on the team. But but I think every Buckeye fan feels that. When we talk about the Buckeyes, we won, we lost, we we failed to do this, we failed to do that. And even though we're not out there on the field, we just have that connection where we feel like we are out there with them. And, and I think we kind of hope that they feel that we have that connection, like we're out there with them, uh, you know, because we do have that support for our teams. Uh, you know, I've been a Buckeye fan for, for years and years. Uh, you know, my, one of my favorite defensive players of all time, Chris Spielman. I mean, who will ever forget? And and maybe this goes back a little far for you, Eric. But that the 1986 season, he had 205 tackles in the single season, Eric. I don't know. You know, 105 solid to 29 against that team up north alone. Incredible. That's still the single game record for the most tackles in a season. Uh, you know, we talk about the tradition. We talk about Archie. We talk about Eddie. Uh, you know, Eddie, my personal offensive uh, favorite of all time. Uh, you know, basically in two seasons, ran for 3,500 yards, 44 touchdowns, you know, 5.5 average Heisman Trophy, you know. And it's about the moments, you know, the, the, the national championship game, which the, the strip, the 2002 national championship, I've said it before, that to me is the greatest play in Ohio State history, that strip. But, you know, Holy Buckeye is right up there. It's right there, man. It's right there, <laughs> you know. And you, and you think about some of the moments and some of the calls, uh, you know, Keith Byers running down the, the field with the, no shoe. Uh, just – all that. It, it, it's all that. It's just the intensity, the emotion, the feeling, the pride, everything about being a Buckeye. It, it's just that's what it is to me. Great answer, my friend. I uh, it, It's so hard to put into words. And uh, I've enjoyed listening to everybody who we've asked this question to when we've interviewed them this offseason. Um, try to put that into words. And what was really interesting is when I talked to Sean uh, and Kevin, who are a team up north and Penn State fans, their answers about their uh, their team very similar to ours. Uh, Can I just tell you one of my favorite moments, though, going back to it, it ties into an Ohio State moment, but it was also a podcast moment. Yeah, go for it. And that was something that we just had a few weeks ago, and that was the spring game tailgate. <laughs> yeah. And this is going to sound really silly, but I don't know if you – you, I think, were playing cornhole at the at the tailgate next to us at the time with. Uh, oh, help me out. Uh, the, uh, the Justin, or are you talking? Uh, are you? Uh, no, you're talking about Travis. Travis, there we go. Yeah, our pro. Yeah. And <laughs> and myself and and Eric Osbeck and uh, Mike Wargo were just standing around, and Mike started singing Carmen Ohio, and then all three of us were just like singing Carmen Ohio together, just right there in the middle of the rain at the tailgate. And, you know, that's part of what it is to be a Buckeye. Just you know, hearing that gives you chills and you can't help but 
join in. Yeah. So that I, I don't know. That that's what it is to me. To me, it's yeah, and 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 I'm not going to answer this question until probably the season starts for myself. But I I just have enjoyed everybody's input immensely to that. But for me, <clears throat> the podcast for me that has been awesome is the connections I've been able to make. Like yeah. you brought up Eric Osbeck. Uh, Justin Bowman was another one that came out and said hi to us um, that day. Yeah, Robert, who we met. Uh, met the whole family. That was great. The kids yeah, were hilarious. They were wife great. and kids and just – and the the connections that this podcast has created as Buckeye fans for us and the community that we have online uh, through this podcast, I think is <clears throat> there's a lot of um, there's a lot of Facebook groups that are connected to the Buckeyes that are poisonous, if, if, if I could use that word. Yeah. Yeah. And, and one thing I love is the fact that we don't allow it when it's we as a group. Whether right. it's yourself, Aaron, myself, uh, you know, Nick, uh, Corey, Corey, yep, whoever it is, we we see that that poison starting to be spewed. We put a stop to it right away. Right. And and you know the road trips, Eric. I love the road trips. <laughs> They're fun. If, if we were on the road every week that we weren't at Ohio Stadium, I would be just thrilled with that. We're going to do some more of that, too, man. Because it was so much fun. You know, we've seen Cleveland. <laughs> we, we've been to Cleveland. Uh, we had a great time in Powell. Of course, Mike Wargo brought us over there to Pittsburgh, and I can't wait to do that again this next year. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of blast. It's going to be a lot of fun and looking forward to those again. And uh, hopefully making some some new connections as well. I mean, it sounds like um, – the Muskingum uh, area uh, yes. might be one that we can um, meet next year, possibly as well. But um, that's our show guys. <coughs> Excuse me. That's our show. Um, it's been a lot of fun, Chris, just you and I, and uh, looking forward for the next couple weeks, because believe it or not, I don't know if you've looked at the schedule, Chris, we have three more weeks until we get to the month of June. Yes. And when we get to the month of June, we actually start breaking down the schedule and the Big Ten. Yes. <laughs> the season is literally right around the corner, believe it or not. So uh, <clears throat> we're going to have a lot of fun. Um, hopefully Aaron will be be back soon. I did hear from him today uh, or this past week, I should say. Um, he is back to the the base. So Excellent. He's not overseas, so thank the Lord for that. We're still praying and crossing our fingers that things can de-escalate for him so he don't have to worry about that. And he's very soon going to be a daddy of a new baby, and so we probably won't hear from him until things finally calm down later this summer for him. Uh, but um, Aaron, is uh, if he's not – he's not protecting us, my friends. He's uh, at home trying to uh, – um, I guess, calm the world down in the Brown household. <laughs> so Chris and I are here to hold down the fort until Aaron can get back. Uh, we appreciate Nick Delanitis filling in when he can. Uh, Corey's joined us as well. And let's not forget Jason Monk, Jason, who's yeah. 
jumped in and done a real good job and is really getting his feet wet when it comes to podcasting as well. Um, so we're gonna ha- you're gonna hear from all of us this off season as we continue to uh, rev our engines and get ready for what's going to be no doubt a fantastic 2022 season, where I think expectations are going to be incredibly high, Chris. So that being said, be kind to one another. I owe someone's OH in St. Carmen, Ohio, with all your heart. And until next time, OH! IO! Go Bucks! Oh, come, let's sing, oh, Hios praise. And songs through armor while our hearts rebounding thrill and joy which death alone can still summer's heat or winter's cold the seasons pass the years will roll time and change will surely show how firm thy friendship oh hi yo